Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. And you know, it's a hectic day. Uh, look yeah. at this. Karma's taken off. Why are my glasses so crooked? Karma's taken off her purse, and I'm putting on my Not glasses. Not my purse, my phone. Your phone. Sorry about that. Welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor. On Wednesdays, we go a bit off the rails, and I forgot to apologize to our guests in advance, and they are seeing it... Uh, this cascade of uh, events unfolding before them. But uh, this is a live episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. And not only is it Surviving the Survivor, but it is a special episode, Sound the Calm Alarm. Uh, Carm, you're coming to us live from Studio 1K for the uh, first initial of your name. Uh, the other guests all um on time you are late uh was there a reason for that you're asking me if i am not going to incriminate your wife okay good answer <laughs> good answer you plead the fifth you plead the fifth so uh this is a uh, serious story that we are delving into here um she is a former yoga teacher. Her name is Caitlin Armstrong. She's been in jail for the better part of uh, a year, accused of murdering a romantic rival before leading police on an international manhunt that led them to Costa Rica. Uh, just in the past uh, 10 days, she tried to escape from Texas deputies, escorting her to a doctor's appointment. And uh, part of it was all caught on tape. We're going to show that to the therapists here. Uh, Caitlin Armstrong's trial is set to start in Austin, Texas, this coming Monday. And that is why we revisit this uh, today. Uh, our best guest, of course, you already saw her. Uh, we've got Carm here. Uh, she's a co-host and a best guest. How about that? And then we've got general mark davidson not a military general but an attorney general general he started his career as a prosecutor straight out of law school back in 1994 as an assistant da in tennessee he began prosecuting cases in tipton county tennessee and within a year became the one and only prosecutor in lauderdale county General Davidson later went on to work for the Tennessee Attorney General's Office, handling criminal cases on appeal and eventually death penalty cases, obviously the most serious of all. Uh, he was able to return to the District Attorney's Office in 2011 and then was elected District Attorney General in August of 2018, hence the title General. And then We've got Darby Fox, a child and adolescent family therapist. Uh, that is uh, my mom's world as well. She has over 25 years of experience. Carm has a little few more years under her belt uh, with children and families from diverse backgrounds. Darby's first book, Rethinking Your Teenager. Oh, boy, I'm going to have to get there one of these days. Shifting from conflict and control to structure and nurture to raise accountable young adults. Uh, my mom should probably read that book for me, even though I'm 54 years old. Uh, she's been on all the networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, et cetera, et cetera. Um, quick uh, reminders. If you can, please support us on Patreon and or YouTube. If you can't do that, it helps us immensely. If you can give us five stars on any of the audio platforms where you listen to the show, like Podify, uh, Spotify, not Podify, but Spotify. Podify might have been a better name, actually. And Apple Podcasts. Um, quick background here. 
Caitlin Armstrong, 35, she is charged with first-degree murder and the killing of competitive cyclist Anna Mariah Wilson, who went by Mo. Uh, Caitlin Armstrong reportedly thought uh, she was after her boyfriend, a guy named Colin Strickland, uh, who is the kind of the monkey in the middle here in this love triangle. He was also a pro cyclist, uh, as was Mo Wilson. Uh, Wilson and Strickland, the man, went swimming and had dinner together hours before Mariah Wilson was shot dead on May 11, 2022. The trial now set to start this Monday. Uh, Mark, literally, uh, you know, three business days away or two business days away. Any chance, because I've been doing some reading, uh, of a possibility of a delay on a trial uh, of this kind of high-profile nature this close to the trial date? I would say that that is a low probability at this late hour. Um, it did occur to me when I read the news of her uh, recent escape attempt um, that that very likely could result uh, in a delay. I, I'm certain that the prosecution uh, will find that escape to be uh, yet another uh, example of uh, flight, which indicates a, a guilty conscience. I feel certain that they will want to use evidence of that last escape, very recent escape, uh, in their case in chief uh, at the trial. And so I would have uh, expected uh, the, that maybe the defense or the prosecution uh, in an attempt to address that evidence and whether or not it would be admissible uh, might have produced a, a delay in the case. But so far, we haven't seen uh, any news or indication of that yet. Um, so it may be something that they're preparing to take up via motion and limine uh, within the next day or two uh, prior to trial to try to get a, a ruling ahead of time from the court on its admissibility and how far they can go with that. Um, but it, it it strikes me on a case of this magnitude and with this much publicity that uh, it may be the train has kind of left the station and they're going to move forward and just deal with this as they go. And I tend to uh, think that you are probably correct about that, but I am just a podcast host and you're the man with the legal knowledge. A quick note, by the way, if you see Yala's comment here, how packed do you all think the courtroom will be for Charlie's trial? I'm thinking of going to tally for part of it. Uh, just getting word that the jury in the Charlie Adelson trial has been seated. Earlier today, Judge Everett said it would not likely be seated till after proceedings tomorrow. But now it appears that a jury of 12 peers and three alternates has been seated. And uh, the COE is annoyed because I came out of my little meditation prior to this podcast. And I said, we should stream this live. So we are going to 99% stream the opening statements live with analysis from Tim Jansen, who is the famed Tallahassee defense attorney, and one or two others. We're going to watch the opening statements from beginning to end, both state and defense, and then the rebuttal. And uh, Tim Jansen will be with us. I'm going to tweet that out at Podcast STS later tonight, at Podcast STS, once we get all the details uh, surrounding this. But you know you're not going to get better analysis or coverage anywhere else. We just covered the LISC Long Island Serial Killer press conference last week. Uh, we had the best coverage and analysis. We will do the same with Charlie Adelson's opening statements tomorrow. So we will be the spot to watch that again at Podcast STS on Twitter 
or Surviving the Survivor on Instagram uh, for more information. And I will give you a reminder, if I remember, at the end of the show. Darby, to you, um, sort of broad stroke here. Um, this woman, Caitlin Armstrong, uh, not only tried to run away uh, last Wednesday, but she also ran down to Costa Rica for 47 days. Um, what should tell you about her character, just from a, a therapist point, you know, perspective here? She looks like the tip, you know, she looks like she could be doing commercials for Dove Soap, kind of like the woman from uh, Salt Lake City right now who is on trial uh, for, you know, allegedly murdering uh, her husband by poisoning him with fentanyl. But what do you make of her character knowing that she took off twice? Well, I think for her that we would sort of put her in a category, um, maybe malignant narcissist, um, some sort of, you know, there's definitely antisocial personality disorder or some psychopathic tendencies. But um, because this is a pretty targeted you know, crime of jealousy. Um, we see that that kind of put her into a state where we take her from the Dove Cream Soap Lady to one of um, much more disturbed. And, you know, this there, there's a lack of reality between what she did and how she thinks she'll get away with it. I mean, her escaping to Costa Rica, she cut her hair, she supposedly had plastic surgery, pretty extreme, which if she were in her right mind, she wouldn't have gone to such extreme to change. Like those are all pretty clear, um, whatever you would call it, uh, signs of guilt, right? Like you're not changing your um, going to plastic surgery if you're not guilty. There you go. And she did have plastic surgery. Uh, Carm, I know in the past um, you've taken issue with the term narcissist. You feel like it might be a little too broadly used. Uh, Carm, if you can hear me and you're. I can hear you. Okay, you're I'm waiting. going to be very laid back and very subtle and refined tonight. Well, you looked. Be prepared. Um, be prepared. You, you looked uh, so kind of bored that your affect was so plain that it looked like you were almost frozen in time, which is why I prefaced it with that. But what is your take? What is your... Um, if I'm not agitated, you're not happy. Exactly. Um, if you're not screaming at me, I don't think you're no, alive. No, in the past, I objected uh, every single person mentions the narcissistic personality. Uh, I uh, thought of uh, Kathleen Armstrong more in terms of, I wish I knew what happened to her earlier in her life because um, some of the STS Nation comments were that uh, this boyfriend of hers, um, Colin Strickland, uh, was uh, even afraid and treated, treated in certain ways in a very um, underhanded way uh, by by changing the name of the person, the third person, on his phone and did other devious things. And if she would have had a little bit better self-image, she would have just walked away and would say, who needs this creep? And walked away from the situation. But because of her own psychopathology, she she murdered him. I mean, I mean, there was another option there, but because of her own psychological makeup, she she chose the murder. And we'll get back to that. And Carm, uh, uh, unless she's innocent so far, <clears throat> she's not guilty. 
until yeah. proven guilty. You sound like an attorney now. You sound like uh, an attorney. I always uh, cover my, you know what. You cover your, you know what. But Carm, uh, I know you speak six languages, and uh, because of that, sometimes every night you add the language. Um, I think it's six at last count, but her name is Caitlin. Uh, Caitlin Armstrong just wanted you to know that because you uh, you you called her something that didn't sound like Caitlin. Um, okay, Mary I... Griffin telling us to smash the like button. Um, General Davidson to you. So there have been multiple trial delays here. Um, she was obviously charged with murder. Um, one of the things I don't really understand is it seems like they wanted to try her a, a year ago, which is basically when the arrest was made, which seems uh, very quick to me um are you aware of that because that seems awfully quick to have tried her yes this uh the crime occurred in may mid-may of 2022 mm -hmm. um and it seemed from what i read that they were attempting to to set the case initially for trial in just about a year uh on a homicide case which um in my opinion would be really fast uh mm -hmm. and a bit unusual uh, I understand that her her attorneys were making statements to the media that they were ready to go to trial now. She wanted her day in court. Uh, she was asking for a speedy trial. Um, you know, these are things that, that you uh, you don't normally hear a defendant uh, demanding a trial immediately. Um, I know there were motions to suppress filed, which we would expect in a, a large murder case. Um, and they were pretty substantive motions. So it, it surprised me a bit that they attempted to, to set this case uh, as quickly as they did. And it did end up getting pushed back uh, to October with, I, I still think, a slight chance that, that it could get pushed back again based on this very recent second. Well, this was actually an escape attempt. The first was just flight, right? She, she, she flew uh, from Austin uh, into New York and then out of the country. That was just flight, uh, which is still indicative of guilt. Uh, but an escape, uh, is that it, uh, that's a crime. Uh, so she's been charged by the state of Texas with a felony escape involving bodily injury. Uh, I've also read a report that she's been charged federally uh, with unlawful flight to avoid prosecution for murder. Um that most recent escape is very relevant to guilt, uh, in my opinion. Um, so yes, I it did strike me as unusual the timeline that this case started out on as far as far as trying to get to trial that quickly. Uh, and I would still say if they go to trial on October 30th, that is a, a pretty quick time frame within which to try a first degree murder case, uh, given all the evidence that's that's out there in this case. Yeah, and I'm going to get back to you on a lot of what you just talked about. But from what I understand, there's going to be a separate hearing altogether in November at some point on this escape. And right. we'll talk about that in a moment. But um, Carmela, look at this. Uh, they have sounded the CARM alarm ahead of CARM Con in May. And Kathleen Barrett has a question uh, just for you. Uh, and then we'll ask Darby the same question. Uh, do you think the man in the center of this tragedy, his name is Colin Strickland, has any responsibility? Do you hold? Do you, do you think he has any culpability, Carmela? I mother. don't. I don't. From what I know, which is very limited, I don't think he is uh, guilty of uh, more than any kind of uh, person who is in a triangle and is trying to um, 
juggle two women and um, distorts reality. I don't think that he he is involved in any legal way. Anyway, it doesn't seem to me. But he he from the little I know, he represents himself as a very um, a very weak personality. He has instead of confronting situations, he starts to um, lie and and um, present the situation in a different way than than reality yeah he got um he got very agitated with police i'm going to get to that um but darby to you um what's your perception of of colin strickland the man in the so-called middle of this love triangle and same question uh do you think uh he bears any culpability i mean she's the one that allegedly shot and killed mo wilson not him but what do you say i i agree with carm i don't think given the amount we know that you could say there's a legal culpability there i do think he's kind of a weak character um and i believe caitlin is the stronger personality in this it you know all everything that's reported is they were on a break when he dated the victim so you know, a break, what does that determine? Did they say it's exclusive, we're just taking some time away? I don't really have the knowledge on that, but he, I do not believe he's culpable in any way for the murder. Hmm. Um, LA Not So Confidential, Dr. Shiloh, a friend of mine, a friend of the show, and a best guest. Her podcast is awesome. Check it out, LA Not So Confidential. Love that she, Carm, wears her phone. Um, Lately, I've been posting some photographs of my FaceTime sessions with my beloved mother. Uh, by the way, I always get uh, a bad rap on this show that I don't treat her well. I told you last time I love this woman more than life itself, would do anything for her. But when I do FaceTime her, um, most of the time she is either upside down because she wears her phone around her neck or I'm getting a clip of just the earlobe. Um, Carmela, would you like to defend yourself in this situation? Yeah, on the upside, I don't lose my phone like other people I know. Very good. She's always quick, way quicker than me. And uh, that's it. Uh, Carm, uh, the accolades are already coming in. Um, Mark is wondering what the general is wondering what he got himself into, which uh, happens to most of our guests on Wednesdays. No, I'm going to be very subtle and refined today. I told you. I, I just want to be very kind because I can't handle STS Nation yelling at me for being mean to you. So I'm going to shower, shower, shower you with adoration. Vicky says, Carm, good evening. Carm, we love you. Joel is okay too. Uh, what Caitlin did is horrible. Um, Carm with the heart emoji. Um, hi, Carm. Once again, I do all the work. Carm is late. Uh, Carm. Hi, Joel. Hello to Carm. Um, I do all the work and Carm is late, which boils my blood. But then I have to come on here and smile and show uh, tremendous love to Carm, my beloved mother, even though she was late. Um, all right. All right. You, okay. They get the point. So the general. Back to the general here. Um, the defense is contending a bunch of things. Uh, number one, um, during last October, during the first pretrial hearing for this case, shout out to Heather Wren for gifting five Surviving the Survivor uh, memberships. Thank you. I always say best guest, better community. Um, last October, during Caitlin Armstrong's first pre pretrial hearing, 
the defense team general uh, worked to discredit evidence gathered when she was questioned immediately after Mo Wilson's death in May. One of the things they are saying is that her Miranda rights, which is so basic that they were never read. Um, and so her her witness, uh, her her interview should not be admissible. Uh, what say you from a legal perspective? It's a little it was a little bit confusing to me, but uh, what I kind of gleaned from it was that um, she was initially detained on what they believed was a, a different outstanding warrant, uh, which, if true, if she was not free to leave, uh, would have um, necessitated reading her her Miranda rights. Uh, apparently, there was some questioning back and forth where she said she didn't really understand what the warrant was about. Uh, wasn't familiar with it, uh, made some mention of, there was some mention of Miranda and an attorney. Uh, and then the officers or investigators appeared to clear it up and say, wait a second, there's some something different. Maybe the birth date is wrong on this outstanding warrant. Uh, we're not actually going to to detain you and keep you on that warrant. So you're, you're free to go, but we do have some questions to ask you. So uh, Miranda is designed uh, to apply to custodial interrogations where the subject or target is not free to leave uh, and to prevent coercive police tactics that might um, produce, you know, a, a coerced confession. Uh, and you're, you know, part of that equation is you're not free to leave. You're, you're detained. You're under arrest. You're not going anywhere. And the police are going to ask you questions. And so it's designed to guard against that situation. And then that ended up not being the situation uh, with Caitlin Armstrong. Uh, they informed her that she was, in fact, free to leave. Uh, and when that happens, when, when you're not being held, uh, Miranda does not apply. So uh, it appears that the police took the position that they didn't need to Mirandize her, which is correct. Uh, and I, I tell our police all the time, you know, police really, Miranda has become so entrenched in in the American uh, psyche, uh, both in law enforcement and public perception of, you got to read Miranda. Uh, we, we see law enforcement overusing Miranda really and reading it all the time to people who are frankly, they're just interviewing and not don't plan to arrest. Uh, and I try to train our officers, Miranda's for custodial interrogations. If that person's not in custody and, and they're otherwise free to leave, you don't have to read them their Miranda rights. Um, bring them in for a voluntary interview, give them a, 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 you know, a bottle of water, make them comfortable and tell them you want to talk to them. Uh, but let them know uh, they're there of their own volition. They're free to leave. And, and when that is all set in place, you do not have to read Miranda rights. So uh, on, based on all of those facts that, that I understand about that interview, uh, I don't think Miranda should apply. And I think any objection or effort to suppress what she said based on that argument should not uh, be successful. And uh, we have America's most respected detective, Phil Waters, on the show every Friday afternoon. This Friday is no exception. Uh, and, you know, he he's an, a world expert at, at obtaining criminal confessions. But he tells me uh, anytime he's ever had to read Miranda rights, he actually reads them off a card. Is that something you recommend to your officers so they don't make a mistake, General? Yes, and that that's pretty typical. Yeah, um, there's one more thing here. I just want to get, and you you kind of covered some of it, but uh, the defense counsel uh, claimed that evidence uh, was obtained within 
illegal arrest warrant and accused detectives of basing the arrest affidavit on quote unquote lies and a reckless disregard for the truth. Caitlin Armstrong, again, we talked about some of this a moment ago, was arrested on a separate misdemeanor charge the day after the killing and was wrongly released by officers who thought that the warrant was invalid. But this whole notion um, of uh, this illegal arrest warrant are these just defense attorneys being defense attorneys or in your opinion, is there any sort of legitimate legal argument in, in this particular case? Um, the, the language they're using um, th that you just referred to um, accusing the officers of misleading and false statements. Um, that, that's what we call a Frank's hearing. Uh, that's from a United States Supreme court case. Uh, which said that if, if the defense can establish or put on a, a proof uh, that police uh, had intentional uh, misleading statements <clears throat> that were false, uh, and that's the language you have to use to open the door to the Franks hearing. Uh, if you can be successful with that argument, you can have the evidence, whether it was obtained by a search warrant um, or, or evidence that's included in an arrest warrant, you can attempt to have those warrants decla declared to be invalid. Uh, so that's what they were doing here. And so the language you heard from the defense attorneys was the language they're using that came out of the Frank's case, uh, which is the bar that they have to get over to try to get the, that evidence excluded. And it's a pretty high bar. Uh, and the judge in her ruling says she did not find uh, those allegations to be true, uh, did not find that the, the police statements were intentionally misleading um, and basically said that if there were any errors, typos or other inconsistencies in the affidavit of complaint or the search warrant, uh, that those were good faith errors. And she ruled that they did not meet the bar uh, under Frank's uh, to exclude evidence. And so that, that is a, um, a pretrial defense tactic, and it, it, that language they used was really kind of necessitated by that legal, uh, that case, uh, the Frank's case. It kind of says that's what you have to show. Um, I don't think you'll hear them try to, to present that same kind of argument at the trial. Uh, they, they were using very strong language. that It was a misogynistic, mm -hmm. uh, intentional, uh, closed-minded investigation. I don't think that's going to be a good defense to try to put in front of a jury to attack the police. I think that was probably limited to this particular motion, pretrial motion, uh, hopefully to get the judge to dismiss or suppress evidence. And it, it didn't work. Uh, so now they'll have to move on to what is more likely a, um, a less inflammatory uh, defense as far as the rhetoric goes. Uh, I've realized one thing in talking to General Mark Davidson. This is, by the way, the love triangle. It's always about the victims. That is Mo Wilson on the left, uh, the accused on the upper right. Uh, she had some uh, plastic surgery, which we'll ask the therapist about. And that, of course, is Colin Strickland, also a professional cyclist. Uh, he and Mo Wilson. So that is the uh, love triangle. May I uh, ask uh, an unrelated question? A hundred percent, Carm. This is your show, and you're my dear Are mother. they allowing? cameras in the court uh, you know that is a great question um 
I do not know the answer. And I saw that come up in chat. If anyone here at STS Nation knows if they're streaming this, please let me know. My guess is it's Texas, and my answer would be yes, uh, almost 100% yes, but I don't know for sure. So if anyone in STS Nation knows, please let me know. Uh, Carm, I was going to say that uh, one thing I know I could never be, well, two things. I could never be a general like Mark Davidson, an attorney general, and I could never be a general in an army because if you listen to Mark Davidson, he's so level-headed, so smart, um, unflappable. I'm highly emotional, highly charged. I lose my mind when you're 30 seconds late. I could never do his job. I could never do his job, and therefore, I could never be called a general. I can only be called a podcast host and maybe a father. Uh, that's about his guy. I used to look up you to my You can also be called the son. I also, that's true. I used to look up to my own father for being a doctor. I thought it was one of the coolest things. Doc Waldman, doc, doc, doc. Me, my kids are going to say, dad was um podcast host. And they're going to mumble it very quickly because they're going to be embarrassed. <laughs> uh, look at this. The love continues. Um, sound the Carm alarm. Carm is in the building. Carm is in Studio 1K. Um, I do come up with nonsensical, clever things like Studio 1K that people remember because your initial is K. And uh, as Darby will tell you at the Today Show, it's Studio 1A. They they think they're cool, but here it's Studio 1K. If um, they knew where it is located. Yeah, don't tell them that. It's a secret, Carm. You already gave it up last show. Uh, because I think it's hilarious. Yeah. This, uh, this. It might be hilarious, but one day, I said this last night, I'll continue to say, we will be the halftime show at the Super Bowl. I believe in that. <laughs> uh, one of these days. Uh, and moving then on. you'll wake up and see it was a beautiful dream. Uh, moving on to the uh, uh, business at hand. So, Darby, to you, uh, therapist extraordinaire, Colin Strickland was interviewed um, by police and he said um, that she was the least volatile person, meaning Caitlin Armstrong, that he had ever dated. Um, I would say the same about my wife. Um, the actual quote goes as such. She's one of the least volatile women, the COE. I could substitute the, the word COE. But Caitlin Armstrong is one of the least volatile women I have dated in terms of emo emotion over up. I don't know what that means upwelling of like anger and jealous and emotion so she was the least volatile in terms of anger and jealousy things of that nature knowing what she's accused of knowing now how do you negotiate that in your mind how's that possible did she just snap uh that's a great question she could have just snapped um I, we don't have enough background and, and when we go back to where i said you know she was a malignant narcissist. Carm mentioned, yeah, there was some kind of break in her early childhood. Well, there definitely would have been, and that would get you into a narcissistic position, which actually means you have very well uh, low self-esteem. And I think with her, just the anger and the rage, she began to act in an irrational way. She was impulsive. She was violent. There was no regard for the consequences at the time. So I think that he must have misread the situation. Again, it seems pretty normal. They were on a break. He dated someone else that he bikes with. And then all of this came out of it when he was back together with her. So that, uh, that inability for Caitlin to have reset 
and move on is show she there was nowhere near the stability that she presented. Uh, can I interject? Yeah, real quick, Carmen. Let me just read this comment. Um, you're my mother. You can do whatever you want. She was just good at covering her cray, which means crazy, Carm. Now the kids say cray-cray. Uh, do you believe that, Carmela? And then say what no, you want what to I, What I'm thinking is that any statement that Strickland made about her, I don't believe it because I don't trust Strickland. Tell me why. Ex expound. I mean, just watching his behavior uh, and his weaknesses – and then in the very beginning, he did not even react to the whole uh, situation in the very beginning, if I understand it correctly. Why should I take his word for it that she never lost it? Uh, she looks like a person, like a person who, who can erupt. But what, what would he have to gain by saying that she was the least volatile? Why would he say that if it wasn't true? I, there are a lot of things we don't know why he said, but he said them. But Darby, uh, this is interesting, actually, now that we're discussing it, and I'm going to get back to the general. Uh, my beloved mother, who I love more than anything on earth. Stop um, it already. I'm she, I just don't want to get the hate mail, so I'm going over. I know over, that that's overboard. what you're doing. Now, my mother, who would never hurt or harm a fly, is literally one of the most volatile people I know. Um, from moment to moment, minute to minute second to second, hour to hour, day to day. One second you can catch her and she's perfectly peaceful. And then next she's absolutely screaming at me for something. Um, it's why I suffer from anxiety, but also why I uh, am a successful podcast host, which isn't very successful. But um, but what do you make of that? I mean, is it possible that um, she wasn't volatile at all and maybe the volatility was – Something repressed, that could repressed. repressed. That's the word I'm looking for. What What do you think, Darby? Well, I think it. You know, clearly it was repressed. But as Carm said, this guy didn't have a great read on things. Um, to describe someone that could be in such a rage that they would murder someone who had had a past interaction when they supposedly weren't dating and she'd just been swimming with him. Something happened in her interaction with Strickland that set her off so that she felt that um, Mo was a threat to her. And, you know, that's it. Was it repressed? Yes, it was repressed. But the fact that she said it wasn't there, I think he just hadn't seen it. He also seems like a fairly passive man. So he doesn't react to the strength of this woman. And, and that's, you know, he hadn't crossed her in that way. But to go to the extreme of murder, um, it's pretty volatile. You know, Joel, it takes two to tangle. Or three in this case. Uh, Tia M, yeah. Carm, I'm coming to you on this one. If she wasn't jealous, Carm, um, if she wasn't jealous, meaning Caitlin, why would Colin have changed Mo's name on his phone? Is that just because he was fearful? I think most guys would probably do that. Um, but what's your take? No, most weak guys would do that. Mm. And this is why uh, Hey Mona says, oh, my God, OMG, I love Carm so much. Uh, Kathleen Barrett, these are interesting comments. Colin was playing both women. Darby, do you feel that is the case that he was playing them both? Yeah, yeah. 
I feel that's the case. And that's why we see, again, he things seemed better when they were swimming or whatever they were doing. But Caitlin picked up on something that was definitely a threat to her. And, uh, you know, then he tried to cover up by saying, oh, no, she's the least volatile person I know. There was something, you know, I don't think he legally did anything wrong, but I think he was trying to figure out, you know, where he could get the most and play them against each other. Uh, Jennifer Jansen, I'm with Carm. He's a classic jerk. Uh, I'm with analytical Blarney because she just gifted another uh, YouTube Surviving the Survivor membership. Thank you so much. Pa Susan Lynn. Callous uh, materialist. What was that? You are a callous materialist. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I deal with. <laughs> That'd be a good shirt. Uh, callous, hashtag callous materialist. Um, Susan Lynn says, were they on a break and were they both aware of that? Um, Darby, do you know anything about that? Allegedly, they were on some sort of break, but um, do you think that they both knew, both women knew? As I read it, and I could be wrong here because there aren't that many details, but as I read it, they were, Caitlin and Strickland were on a break when he was with Mo. And that's how I read it. And then it would lead you to believe they weren't really on a break anymore because he was with Caitlin again. Uh, she was in, from California and all this uh, happened in Austin, Texas. So she came a few days before the murder, um, Mo, and, and uh, she was going to compete in a race. And the the backdrop for all this is uh, the bicycle. The, there is a world of bicycle riders. Mm -hmm. And by the way, Armstrong is not related to Armstrong. There you go. That, uh, by the way, that's great clarification, Carm. No relation between Caitlin and no. Lance. Um, no. SP says Carm is always so spot on behavior cues. This is an interesting comment from Squeaky Wheel. Her two timing, and then we're getting back to the law in one moment. As you can tell, we're juggling the psychological aspect and the legal aspect in one show because we can multitask. Uh, Squeaky Wheel says her two-timing live-in boyfriend was literally dating his ex-love interest during the day while she was at work. I can understand Caitlin's reaction. I just think she picked the wrong target. Uh, mm -hmm. Good thing, uh, Squeaky Wheel, make sure whoever you're dating uh, is aware of this comment. Um, well, the, Just a uh, cautionary tale. Uh, and this one, by the way, Carm says, I relate to Carm, followed by this, Carm, is that Carm is the best of umpires. She calls him like she sees him. Carm, I didn't mean to cut you off. Please forgive well, me. You Go cut ahead. me off, and as usual, I have a senior moment, but it was a very good idea. When you get, when you remember it, let us know. Um, General, so I'm going to put you on the spot here, um, putting the cart ahead of the proverbial horse here because there's other issues to talk about. But this trial kicks off on Monday, and obviously the defense needs a theory. Uh, what do you think they come up with? How are they going to muddy the waters here? Well, you know, the uh, if, if you don't have a really strong defense, and I, I think there there is a lot of pretty strong evidence pointing um, at Caitlin Armstrong, uh, reasonable doubt is is what you kind of attack um and try, just try to poke holes in the state's case uh, piece by piece 
and and build up a, a stack of attacked evidence and, and what the police should have done or could have done but didn't do. That's We see a lot of that these days. Uh, and you try to convince the jury that, yes, I have a piece of evidence here. Yes, I have a piece of evidence there. Uh, but it's not beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, you should all have a reasonable doubt about uh, the guilt. Uh, it's a circumstantial case. Uh, we don't have a confession. We don't have a video. We don't have a smoking gun, so to speak. Um, we do have some a gun and some ballistics. We have video of the car. Uh, the flight evidence, I think, is going to be very powerful for the state. And the defense ha- has no way to contest uh, that at all. They don't have any way to contest her escape from custody uh, if the judge does allow that in, which I do believe it's relevant. Um, uh, blaming, you know, trying to cast blame. Another option, I suppose, would be it just wasn't my client. Uh, somebody, some unknown third party must have done this, and the police uh, should not have honed in on my client. They should have explored all the options that were out there. Um, but they just locked in on her. So I, I think those are probably some of the things you'll you'll see uh, some efforts to just kind of attack the police, attack the investigation, try to create reasonable doubt and some red herrings uh, to kind of confuse the jury and, and leave them unsure of whether or not they've got the right defendant to convict of this murder. Yeah, in general, you mentioned that uh, Jeep Cherokee, which was seen right outside the apartment where Mo was uh, staying. How problematic is that for the defense? Because that is video evidence. Yeah, that, it's very problematic. Uh, hard to believe that's just a coincidence at the time of this murder. Um, and then the fact that uh, Armstrong sells uh, her Cherokee, a Grand Cherokee, for less than it, far substantially less than what it was worth. Uh, a day or two after the, the, the well, I think it's a day after she was interviewed by the police. She turned around and went to CarMax and sold her vehicle, which she knew the police would be able to track uh, and got cash in hand, which would be handy for escaping or leaving the country. You're going to need cash in hand for airline tickets, uh, whatnot, travel expenses. So she she ditched her car pretty cheaply just to get cash. I think that speaks very strongly um, to her motivation and, and the inference of guilt uh, in those actions. Uh, Carm, I'd like to have you respond to this comment. Sorry, Joel from Hey Mona. The statute of limitations on blaming your parents for anything has run out at your age, in my honest opinion. So you, you know this. I tell you this all the time. But I, I think... I remember the other thing that we were talking about. <laughs> Do tell us, Carm. You got to tell us. You see, Caitlin was must have been in a rage and very angry. Okay, and and uh, she had the gun. He got her a gun. Uh, Strickland got her a gun, and she uh, she killed um, she killed Mom Wilson with it, and. Her rage at him ended up hurting her to the nth degree. The logic of this murder is totally illogical. She is angry at him, and she punishes herself. Mm. That's deep. That's interesting, and that's why I pay Carm the big bucks to come on. So uh, (laughs) Carm is, in essence, saying that uh, she punished herself by committing this heinous crime, 
uh, and not the man who she was upset with. Uh, very That runs very deep, Carm. This is why uh, you're one of the best at what you do. Uh, your reaction to that, Darby? Because I, I wasn't thinking that. She, she, in essence, hurt her own self instead of uh, really lashing out at the guy who did all this. I, well, you know, especially if she's convicted, she really hurt herself. But I don't think at the time she was aware of that. That's no. not what she was thinking. No. She was so out of control and her rage was so great. She just had to act on it. But I think she loves Strickland. And that's why Mo was the target, not him. Carm, mm. what about this comment from Ned Smith, friend of the show? Love can drive a normal woman to extremes. How powerful is this? emotion that we call love, Carm. And by the way, in the book that is coming out, that is your memoir, essentially, you said that you don't really know what love is at 84, that it's almost impossible to define. But what about this emotion that drives people to kill? Why is it so well, powerful? Well, you know, there, there are all sorts of love. I think the English language has one word to describe so many, so many different aspects of love. Uh, you know, a love of a child, love of a spouse, love of a lover, uh, love of a good uh, movie. Uh, love is love is a very probably one of the mysteries of life. What love is, uh, not and sometimes we confuse love with obsession, and we uh, confuse love with um, obsessive compulsive behavior. We 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 make we make mistakes. We read love as love something that is not love. Um, you know, she she was possessive. She was controlling, and so forth. Mm. Um, General, back to you. So we talked about the defense. Um, you know, they say there's never a slam dunk case, but uh, for the state, um, how close does this get to being a uh, basically an open and shut case? In your opinion. Uh, there is no such thing as a slam dunk case. Um, you know, going back to the O.J. Simpson case, which, uh, you know, they had DNA, they had blood, they had everything they needed in that case. They even had evidence of flight uh, that they, for some reason, chose not to use. Um, and that case did not end well. Um, so you can never assume you have a, a slam dunk case. Uh, I will say one thing that they have in this case that we, we normally do not always get is motive. Um, people seem to think that, that maybe because of uh, law and order or other TV shows or TV in general, that, <clears throat> that, that we have to prove a motive and we don't, um, we can, we can use evidence and facts to convince a jury that the crime happened, uh, and that the defendant committed it and should be convicted, but we don't always know the why. Um, and in fact, we struggle sometimes as we work these cases up with our investigators and preparing for trial. You always want to have a motive. Uh, and the, the, the state in this case has a very apparent, very obvious motive. Uh, I think that's going to go a long way with the jury. Juries really want to, to, to know the why of it. And I think they get a little frustrated sometimes in cases where we can't give them a, a real why. We can just say, look, it happened. He's guilty. But here there's a story. There's a why. It gives a lot more context to this case. And I think it complements all the evidence that they will be able to, to put around that motive uh, to kind of block the defendant in. Uh, you know, you could do a Venn diagram uh, on the screen and have all these circles of the with, starting with the motive and the relationships 
And then you add in the car, the video, uh, the weapons, the ballistics, the flight. And when you start adding all that together and in every circle is got her in the middle of it and there's nowhere for her to escape. I think it's going to end up looking like a very strong case. Uh, Carm, I'm in a lose-lose situation. Ned Smith saying, Joel stuck his mother in a corner. Even if I don't say anything, it's what I've done to you now. Um, back to you, General, here. Um, from Vesper Martini, uh, how is the defense going to explain her escape to Costa Rica and her plastic surgery? Uh, you kind of alluded to consciousness of guilt. Um, it seems to be that. Uh, what do you think? Um, we, we're talking about the initial flight. Yes, yes. Costa Costa Rica. Rica. Correct, yeah. correct. Uh, that's going to be extremely hard for them to explain. Um, it also it kind of makes you wonder if they might put her on the stand to try to explain that, because to me it would almost have to be a, uh, I didn't do it, but I was scared to death. The police clearly thought I did it, and I, I just I kind of lost it, and I, I had to get away, um, far away. Um, but I don't really know how they're going to, they're going to get into that without the jury hearing from her. Uh, they can try to throw that out there in their opening statement or during voir dire. Uh, but there's not really going to be much proof for the jury to, to hear about that unless they hear from the defendant, which is always a very, very risky move. Uh, I think in this case it would be extremely risky to put her on the witness stand. Um, but if you don't and you don't have any way to explain it and you concede, that it is what it is. The state's going to make a lot of use of that. And it's not just that she, you know, flew away, literally flew away. Um, but when you add in the plastic surgery, uh, the, the cutting and dyeing of the hair, using her sister's valid passport, it's a pretty complex um, this flight. And it, I think it looks really bad uh, for the defense. And it's, it's, to date, they have not offered up any explanation for that. And I'll be curious to see what they try to do with it at trial. Uh, and, we're and it's, it's, it's complicated by the fact that she then did it again. Yeah, um, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Uh, uh, I want to stay in the legal. Go ahead, Carmela. No, there, there, there was some vandalism in the uh, – I, I confess I don't know exactly – in which apartment there was a vandalism? In which home? In in was it in Strickland's home, or was it in um, in Mo the Wilson. place where Wilson stayed? But there was some some vandalism. Uh, uh, in other words, the, it looked like there was a disorder in this apart one of these apartments, and I never heard this term. I like the term. It was a, they speculate that it could be vandalism that was staged. Hmm. Vandal to make it look like it was someone else. That's like a possible. break in. Uh, that might come up in the proceedings. I don't uh, know. Anybody else heard about this? Uh, yeah, Darby, go ahead. I think I read that too, and I think it was in the place that Mo was staying. I could be wrong, but I, I think that's what I read. And I assume the, uh, the Darby, the, uh, presupposition there is that maybe Caitlin made it look like vandalism so they would think it was someone else. Is that right? Yeah, right. vandalism staged. I like Got it. it. 
Um, Raul Thomas says uh, maybe Colin shouldn't have purchased two handguns for the pair. We're going to get to that in just one moment. But another legal question here for the general. Caitlin Armstrong is going to be found guilty of this murder, says the squeaky wheel. No doubt about it. I just think the jury should have a chance to convict her of lesser charges such as voluntary manslaughter. Um, what about that, General? Is there a chance she's convicted but of lesser charges because it was either a crime of passion uh, in the moment or other variations of that theme? Yes, um, and it, it's typical for in a homicide trial um, to have a, a judge instruct on the highest charged offense and also on possible lesser included offenses that a jury could find uh, based on the proof. Uh, if the defense is able to get in some evidence that um, Armstrong was upset by this, um, maybe was acting irrationally, uh, maybe they possess some evidence that, that they can produce at trial that we hadn't read about, uh, showing that she was very upset by this triangle um, and was acting irrationally, that can lend itself to a voluntary manslaughter situation, which, which is a crime of passion uh, or provocation. Um, you know, the classic example being the husband walks in finding his wife in bed with another man and he, he shoots him on the spot. Um, that's not exactly what this is, but you do have this, uh, this relationship, the, this triangle, as people have called it, uh, where he's being deceitful. Uh, he's misleading his longtime girlfriend uh, as he's courting his much younger um, girlfriend so I, you know, there's some room I think for the defense to try to to try to get it down uh, to a lesser uh, grade homicide, like a manslaughter, if if they think that's the best they can do. Mm. Um, why, why wouldn't she uh, try to plead and uh, get a shorter yeah. sentence? General, she could, she could do that if she were so inclined. Now she she, she rejected that. She right out of the gate took the position that, that she was innocent and she wanted her day in court and she wants a speedy trial and her attorneys have attacked the evidence. Um, so, you know, it may be that they get into trial and, and test the waters and, and kind of see how it's going and, and maybe attempt even mid-trial to see if they can um, enter some type of plea to a lesser charge if it, it's looking, looking bad for them. Uh, I don't know that the judge would allow that. Um, not familiar with the judge in this case at this point, but um, if you're the defense, that's an option you want to keep an eye on. Yeah, and there was a plea deal in the works early on, and she flat out rejected it. And uh, if we have time, we'll circle back to that. But Jennifer Jansen, to you, Darby, uh, this has a lot to do with money. Uh, Colin and Caitlin were business partners. I think he gave her like a half a million dollars uh, for the company that they were trying to build together. And, and Jennifer says part of her rage is the business end. Uh, Detective Phil Waters always says it's uh, money, sex, or drugs that drives pe people to murder. Uh, what part of this do you think was financial rage? You know, I'm with this guy. We've invested in this company, and now he's uh, betrayed me. Um, I don't think it's financial. I think it is a crime of jealousy and passion um, because there's no connection there. She didn't, Mo was a young biker. She she didn't have anything to do with the business end of it and wasn't interfering of, on the business end. So I don't think that's um, applicable in this case. Mm -hmm. uh, I shout out. What's up? 
what's applicable on this case, uh, case is that uh, Mo Wilson was 25 and uh, Caitlin Armstrong was 35. And I would give anything to be 35 now, but many times the 35-year-old feels that she's the old woman and that the younger one is usurping her. Mm. Very big word there, Carm. That's an SAT and word. And Mo was an up-and-coming biker. I mean, she was a real threat in the sense she was in the same sport as Strickland. Like, there's a lot there. I don't yeah, think it's financial. Uh, it's competitive on a lot of levels, I think. Um, shout out to McSpunky, very generous, uh, donating another Surviving the Survivor membership. Jason Truth, uh, clearly she's a psychopath. Um, so let's get to the guns here. There's a couple other topics I need to get through. Um, Colin Strickland purchased two guns uh, between the end of 2021 and the start of 2022 uh, for himself and Armstrong. Um he says that he regrets buying uh, the gun that was used uh, to kill her. Uh, he said that during his first interview with Texas detectives, shell casings from the gun labeled nine millimeter Jag were found in the room where Wilson was shot. That's what he labeled the gun uh, in the second police interview with Colin Strickland. He later claimed that he made the comment about, you know, feeling bad because it meant it quote-unquote, complicated the investigation immensely. Uh, Strickland, who is also a pro-cyclist, Darby, told cops during that interview, F you for manipulating me. Someone's grieving, but that's not relevant. Um, what do you make of that? It was kind of, you know, he got upset and he blurred that out, the F you to police right to their face. Uh, I, I just think he didn't like the implication, like it was suddenly becoming very messy and complicated. And I don't think he actually is someone that's capable of a lot of forethought about that. Um, so I think that um, I think this is all beyond his comprehension. I don't think he thought any of this was going to happen. And, um, you know, just their implication or being stuck on the purchasing of the gun or him having held the gun and implying in any way he was then responsible was, um, I think, where the FU comes from. Carm, mm. uh, this is right in your wheelhouse from Taylor Burton. Caitlin Armstrong wanted to eliminate the object of Colin Strick Strickland's lustful cheating, betrayal, and deceit. Love isn't the motivation so much as incredulous, incredulity, being incredulous, a lot easier to say, uh, about the lying and betrayal. Uh, how do you respond to this? Well, it's a it's a tremendous, tremendous hurt. It you know even for the best adjusted person, uh, if you care about somebody and you catch them with somebody else, it's a it's a hurt. It happens every day, probably millions of times. Uh, if you take the whole of the United States, but uh, but not everybody, uh, it does. It's usually not followed up by murder. Uh, Pharaoh Gamma quoting a song lyric: "I hate myself for loving you." Uh, sort of applicable here. Uh, one more thing here, then we're going to pivot back to the general. But um, along these lines, Darby, of when Colin acted out, he says to the police, "If there were any effing," and he uses the word signs. 
I would have extricated myself from a relationship and gotten a lot of space and a restraining order or something. And he goes on to say, if I thought that she was physically, this is a direct quote here. If I thought that she was physically capable of hurting another human, I would have extricated myself immediately from that situation, not only for my, not so much for my own personal safety, but my concern for another woman. Do you buy that? Uh, yeah, I yeah. buy that because I think he didn't, you know, we have him saying in one um, interview that she was the most stable, non-volatile person, Caitlin, that he'd ever dated. And then, you know, he got completely blindsided. I'm not saying he, he didn't. He's obviously not great at picking up on cues. He didn't have a great read for how his behavior might impact other people. But I don't think he really had any idea this could be happening. Uh, Darby, to you from our old Thomas, great question here. What is the parental statute of limitations? <laughs> how long can I blame my mother? Um, in your opinion, you are impartial here. Can I continue to blame her or no? No, <laughs> I can't. I have to take responsibility. Hate to hear that. Um, Denise says, Carm has Sorry, all the wisdom. Um, Therapist of the world unite. Exactly. Black widower from the Republic of Ireland. I can imagine Joel going to his room and playing Pantera walk really loud after this. I don't know the song. I do know Pantera, <clears> but uh, it sounds like a pretty good idea, actually. Uh, General, so speaking uh, of these two guns, uh, a firearm located at Colin Strickland's residence was quote unquote test fired police determining it had significant potential to be the gun used in the crime. How damning is that uh, in terms of evidence at a trial? Extremely. I mean, it, well, it could be worse. Um, I, I read a report uh, that quoted the U S marshals, uh, as saying that they that there was an initial comparison, a Nibin comparison, um, which can can show a link between a, a casing and a gun, um, but that they did additional test firing and concluded that it was that was the gun that fired those shells. And if that's the proof, um, that's extremely powerful evidence. Um, that that really complicates things for the defense to try to explain how the gun that was bought for her uh, ended up firing the casings that killed um, Mo. So uh, that's ex extremely powerful uh, forensic evidence uh, that will tie in with the, the, the flight, uh, her actions after the crime, uh, the selling of the car, uh, the motive that she had to kill her. Uh, I, I think the state's got an opportunity to here to, to build a very powerful case uh, against Caitlin Armstrong. So, uh, Caitlin, uh, as we know, and uh, the general spoke of, she ran off to Costa Rica uh, shortly after the commission of this crime that she's alleged to have committed. Uh, but then just last week, she escaped from uh, a pair of corrections officers taking her to a uh, doctor's appointment. This is the video. Let's play it and then we'll discuss it after uh, on, on the other side. Uh, it's without video. You can see her there trying to scale a wall. Uh, there she is running. Um, 
You can see the corrections officer slipping. I'll play it one more time. That is the corrections officer at the bottom trying to catch her. She's up that little hill. She tries to get up the wall. Um, you see it a little more clearly here. The corrections officer spills. Uh, they were able to apprehend her not long after that. Um, to you, General, is this going to be admissible in the court of law uh, when this trial kicks off on Monday? Is that something that is up to the judge ultimately? Yes, it is up to the judge, and yes, it should be admissible. Um, I mean, flight is a, a pretty strong indication of guilt. Um, that particular escape, I mean, that you're committing a brand new crime, a felony. Uh, she's actually preparing for it, according to the evidence they have, or she's training, doing yoga, uh, running in the jail, preparing herself to get be, be fit and anticipating this. She put in a specific medical request that allowed her legs to be unshackled. She was wearing thermal uh, pants underneath her jail uniform. This was very well planned and thought out and really shows you a, a mindset that believes that um, I committed this crime and the state has got a, a very strong case against me and I have no way out. My, my only way out is really to just escape and run. Um, so it's very relevant uh, evidence. Uh, I really, I would be surprised if the judge excluded uh, that evidence. Um, it's not unfairly prejudicial. Um, so I would expect that to come in. And on top of the, the flight uh, a few days after the murder, I, I just, I think the jury is going to uh, have a very difficult time trying to, um, brush that aside, no matter what the defense says about it. Uh, Bundy data here, uh, Carm, this is for you. You are the matriarch of this show. Uh, she says, my mom told me always keep a little of yourself, never go head over heels over a man and don't let him know you're too infatuated. Carm for the female members of F STS nation. And there are many, uh, what is your advice to them when, uh, getting themselves involved in a relationship with a man. Please, uh, I don't know, give us your uh, wisdom here. Well, it's very hard to advise people how much to feel. The only thing people, some people feel much stronger emotions and some people feel less uh, and, and they're more cerebral. And the people who feel more emotion they still, ha they don't have to act on those emotions immediately. They should leave a space between the emotion and the action. And above all, don't shoot the person who disappoints you because <laughs> half the country would be dead. Yes. Um, Karm, someone mentioned <clears throat> ego. If we all had less ego, there would be less crimes. Do you agree with that, that ego is at the center of this? You mean like pride? Pride, you correct. Ego, pride, yeah. correct. Pride uh, can really hurt. Uh, I mean, do people need to dress down their own egos, do you think? I think some people who are sitting on the left top quadrangle. <laughs> Sometimes she's so quick, I don't even get it. By the way, in writing this book with Carmela... Uh, and I underscore the word book, I would ask questions and she would give me one word answers. And then when I was rereading the book and going through the edits uh, in multiple, multiple parts of the book, I had to remind her that this was not a magazine article or a thought bubble, but it was an actual book. So I'd have to 
extract the information from her. But I, I have to tell you that in my wildest dreams, my wildest dreams, the first 83 years, I never thought there would be a book. It's coming, Karn. Uh, By the way, D-Mart here. So anybody who says anything negative about Joel, I have to defend him. There you go. And look at this. D-Mart says, Karn, look at this. I think Joel's a good son. I feel Karn can handle it if she didn't think so, too. Um, am I too much to handle, Karn? Oh, no, you are a pleasure, Joel. Yeah, I never give you a hard time. Um, never. Darby, back to you. Darby's like, what is going on here? Um, so this escape yeah, attempt. This, just, was, this wasn't just, uh, you know, tried to run away from corrections officer. She faked a leg injury uh, in order to get a trip out of her Austin jail because they didn't have the, the wherewithal in the jail to help her. Um, she then begins to run. We find out that she runs a block into this resident, residential area, but she had prepared for this. Uh, with some intense training and she's an athlete she's a yogi she's a cyclist mm -hmm. she began to exercise in the weeks before doing squats uh running doing her yoga and investigators even found a metal pin in her cell that was used to manipulate uh potentially a handcuff what does this tell you about her uh, that she's so calculating in this way well i think it tells you she's guilty i mean and very calculating um, in the sense that, I mean, she probably knows there's a strong case against her and she looks guilty. And this is one of her last <clears throat> ditch efforts. Um, I, you know, it's, it's delusional if you look at it from outside to think that she could do all that. It's very well planned. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it tells us she's guilty. Mm. Um, do, do these people have families? Uh, you know, the, the the victim and Caitlin. Yeah, well, they, they had to come from somewhere. Sister. She has a sister, right? She used her yeah. sister's mm -hmm. I'll be honest. I, I don't know the relationship with her family. I don't know. Darby, do you happen to know the relationship with either Mo or Caitlin and her family? <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I know that Mo is close. She has a sibling or parents. She, she was a young athlete, um, has an intact family, was very close to her family members. I don't know exactly what Caitlin's um, history with her family is. I mean, somewhere there's been something that was not normal. We know that, or you wouldn't be put into such a rage that you would kill someone. That's not logical. Um, you know, there's a notion there that she doesn't trust or love the rest of the world. Uh, but I, I don't know actual details. Um, Carm, real quick on this escape. So she was even able to get her uh, pants off because yeah, she had- Yeah, how like, did she do that running? I, she's an athlete. Um, she, she My had, God, like, I she, cannot do it standing and yeah, she, she can do it running. <laughs> she had- <laughs> She had thermals <laughs> underneath. She had thermal underwear underneath, um, and she was able to get away. But you heard um, that she was doing these exercises and yoga and all these other things. Uh, to you, what does that tell you about her uh, her mindset here? You know, she might have been might have been also uh, addicted to exercise uh, when when she was escaping. 
there is a picture of her in, at the airport with her yoga mat. And when she escaped uh, to Costa Rica, she she found the place where she was doing yoga. And I happen to know people who, uh, you know, you can be addicted to coffee, you can be addicted to drugs, you can also, believe it or not, be addicted to exercising. Carm, Jennifer Jansen, who asked you a question earlier on, uh, she states, Colin Strickland is a gaslighter. What do you think of that, Carm? What proof do we, I know what gaslighting is. I, I just Googled recently um, with Charles Boyer. Uh, uh, is he a guy? He did strange things, you know. Uh, did, did he subliminally suggest she used the gun when he gave it to her? Uh, in that sense, maybe he did some gaslighting and maybe I'm thinking too far. Uh, General, back to you, and then we'll start to quickly or slowly but quickly wrap up. And usually when we do that, that's when Carmela starts to ask a lot of questions. Uh, it's what we call the Jewish goodbye. Um, she has a hard time letting go. But um, <clears throat> pretrial publicity, um, this is a, a case that's garnered a tremendous amount of attention, as is the Charlie Adelson trial, which we are going to be covering live, the opening statements of tomorrow. We're going to be doing live analysis and coverage with Tallahassee's famed criminal defense attorney, Tim Jansen. So follow me on Podcast STS on Twitter, at Podcast STS, or on Instagram, Surviving the Survivor, for details about that. But we are working to get that live for you tomorrow morning. But pre-trial publicity, how much does the high-profile nature of this case uh, factor in in terms of picking a jury and keeping it from turning into the proverbial circus? So we already talked about the fact that um, apparently in the um, Martell case, they've they've already sat a jury, and that's about as high profile a case you can have in a, a city the size of Tallahassee. Uh, I, I know this case has gotten a lot of publicity, but Austin is a very large metropolitan area. Uh, I would ex- I, and I think I understood that the judge uh, was asked to issue a gag order uh, of some sorts to try to tamp, tamp down. Uh, any egregious or inflammatory pretrial statements from any of the litigants, uh, which is a good thing. Um, you're going to have the media coverage, but I'm, I feel confident that the attorneys and the judge uh, can question what will be a large pool of jurors uh, with juror questionnaires, almost certainly, uh, to narrow it down to, to seat a jury of 12 with an alternate uh, that can can move aside anything that they heard about the case and any preconceived ideas that they have and that they can listen to the judge and follow his instructions and and listen to the evidence and the facts and and not and set aside any preconceived notions so i i don't and i don't know that we've seen a motion to change venue uh, in the case if the defense is so worried uh, about pretrial publicity that they believe their client cannot get a fair trial you would have seen a motion to change venue uh, and that would have been a hearing on that. And I've, I've not read uh, or seen any of that. So that tells me they're moving forward uh, and everybody's going to do their level best um, to to conduct a lengthy and extensive voir dire and find um, those 12 to 13 jurors who can 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 hear the case without any real bias. 
Mm. Uh, y'all asking about Charlie Adelson. The live stream will be on. It will be on our YouTube channel. The one you're watching uh, right now. Uh, Sarah Rainey says yes. Opening statements. They get underway tomorrow morning. We are just confirming and making sure all of that is true at what time. And then I will again tweet out at podcast STS Instagram surviving survivor. One last. Yes, Carmela. Aren't you so, so polite? Uh, aren't you going Monday? Thank you for reminding me. I'm actually going Sunday. Sunday. And, uh, we will be up in Tallahassee uh, doing live uh, shows from the Leon County Courthouse uh, with the Charlie Adelson trial, obviously, uh, well underway. Uh, Wendy is expected to testify uh, next week and some other big names and that is why we are going up this Sunday and we will be there so uh, again you got to follow me on Twitter at podcast STS Instagram at surviving survivor that's why I put out all the show times and we'll be doing some impromptu stuff um, the COE got me a whole kit so I can do what we call in the news business MOS man on the street but now it is women on the street as well and I'll be interviewing people like Ruth Markell uh, from outside the courthouse, and I'll be doing it live periodically throughout the day while we're there. Karm, thanks for having me, me back. Excuse me. Yes. I wonder if Derby and the general know who is this. It's Darby. Derby was the appliance Darby. store. <laughs> Derby was the appliance store when we were growing up. It still exists. Uh, but go ahead. The, the general, I mispronounced everything. It's also the Kentucky Derby, purpose. but I she's apologize. the Darby. That is There's, been called words. Yes, go ahead, Carm. No, I forgot. I swear I forgot. <laughs> we'll come back to you. Um, general Strickland, um, to you, uh, this is the final question. Then we'll oh, start no, I know, I know, I know. Go ahead, Carm. I, I was wondering if Darby and the general know who is the COE. Oh. Do you know who the COE is, Darby and General Strickland? She I is my she. No, the COE no, is my no, wife. I'm not. It stands for the chief of everything. She's the behind the scenes maestro, and uh, she runs the show along with Space Coast and Steve Cohen, otherwise known as. No, the, she's his wife. She's my wife. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, my daughter-in-law. There you go. Um, no, because I know when you say COE, people think, you know, you have like some outside firm. Uh, it's all in the family. It's like Carm, really you're going to ruin every, uh, every illusion that I have built with this. Are you going to just destroy it all? As tell people about <laughs> no, Studio One. No, but we are okay. Reality is okay. Look at this. I always worry about these people uh, from Russian Aloha. This channel is absolutely amazing. Great panel. I wonder why they would ever say that after listening to this hour of uh, but there you go. I'll take it. Uh, final why, question for the general. Why the general and Darby? Uh, general, to you. So the state has uh, specifically requested record, records related to her jail. This is Caitlin Armstrong. To her jail disciplinary, mental health, and medical history. This is according to KXAN in Austin, Texas. Um, what are they doing with that? What is the state going to do with uh, her mental health and medical history and her disciplinary history in the jail? Uh, you know, my best guess is that they're trying to pry into the uh, what happened before the escape. Uh, what, what other things did she do or say in the jail to, to anybody in the jail uh, in an attempt to facilitate that escape or any other possible effort? Uh, to subvert her uh, incarceration. 
Um, and then they may be looking to see uh, what, what is in there that they could use to rebut anything that might come up at trial that if she does testify that she might say uh, that they could use to in some form of rebuttal. Um, so that would be my my guess there. Uh, Catherine Rogier coming to us from Maui, a place that was obviously uh, devastated by the wildfires. She says, one of the things I love about STS is that even when uh, very serious, disturbing and heartbreaking topics are discussed, there are so many moments of laughter. I really appreciate that. I think that comes uh, from Carm, who used humor. Uh, to get through World War II. Carm, you're going to yell at me for bringing this up, but Black Widow from the Republic of Ireland says, peace in the Middle East. Uh, your two grand children through marriage are serving now on the border of Lebanon. Um, when you found out what Hamas did, you said you not know, even the... You know you what said, I was you thinking. Said, hold on, Carm. You said not even the Nazis did this. Do you have any... Um, no, because you said she used humor uh, to get through World War II, and I was five year old. I'm using humor ever since then. Hundred percent, Carm. I know you're trying to evade the question because you don't like to be controversial. Uh, how is seeing what's going on and this carnage uh, after World War II? What's it been like for you um, since you've seen this? Well, I am consoling my friends. Because I'm, I'm saying horrible, horrible, horrible as this start, as it started with that, um, you know, murder and so forth. It still wasn't the Holocaust. It was a nice little, um, what did I use? The, what was the term I used? I have no idea. For what? You know, the, the, there was, I used the term that it was um, not, People try to compare it to the Holocaust, but it couldn't be compared to the Holocaust. It was compared to uh, pillage and murder outside of the Holocaust. Carm, let me ask the question a different way, since you're good at evading. You're almost a, like a politician. Um, do you have faith in the world? Do you have faith in humanity? Are we irreparably harmed, or can we get our S together? You have any other simple questions like that no. afterwards? You need 30 seconds to answer it, too, because we've got to wrap up. I, I, Of course I have faith in humanity. I am an optimist, and I think things will be okay, always think things will be okay, and that's how I operate. Otherwise, I couldn't be laughing, kidding, talking about... Uh, uh, trials and so forth, because uh, I would be thinking of horrible things. Uh, another person who operates with optimism, Darby Fox. She is a uh, just a great person, especially for coming on under these circumstances, which is dealing with me and my mother on well, a live tonight, show. Uh, we really have to be separated. It's either you or I. We cannot be together. Because well, that's we why we're. That's why you're in Studio 1K. And this is Karma is proving my point right as I try to wrap. She interjects. This is going to take another 20 minutes. But Darby Fox is a child and adolescent family therapist, over 25 years of experience. Her book, Rethinking Your Teenager, Shifting from Conflict and Control to Structure and Nurture to Raise Accountable Young adults darby um she's been all over by the way she does oh everything. by the way joel 
You got to be kidding me, Carm. Yes. No, I am, but I couldn't find the word when I said it's not the Holocaust, it's a pogrom. Oh, pogrom. There you Anybody go. who doesn't know the term can look Google it. Pogrom. Um, nothing like interrupting the flow of a show, Carm, but I'm glad you came up with the word. Darby, your final thoughts on this case before we get derailed again. I think it's a really sad situation. Um, hopefully it's a quick trial. Uh, and hopefully most family has some resolution or peace from that. Very well said there. Uh, Kelly, all right, I'm start, it's starting to happen. Be nice to Carm. I must have slipped for a moment. Uh, ooh, we're, here's a Carm with a heart emoji. Here's emojis. the good news. If you avoid Wednesdays, Darby and <laughs> the general, if you avoid Wednesdays, I'm ever not asked? on any other night, and Joel is on six I'm nights. Wednesday. Yeah, if I ever ask for Wednesday, just come up with just say I can't. I have a dentist appointment or General Mark Davidson's next ninety-three Wednesdays are suddenly booked up. Uh, he started his career. He has a, uh, I don't know, a, a, a periodontist appointment, keeping with Charlie Adelson. Next Wednesday, he's got a, a proctology appointment. The following Wednesday, it goes on and through May. But anyway, General Mark Davidson. He started his career as a prosecutor straight out of law school in ninety-four. All you need to know is that he returned to the district attorney's office in Lauderdale County, I believe it is. And please correct me if I'm wrong. And then he was elected district attorney, uh, district attorney general in August of 2018. And that is why we refer to him as General Mark Davidson. Um, are you, General Mark Davidson, expecting a conviction in this case or is it too tough for you to call? Uh, I believe the state will be able to prove its case beyond a reasonable doubt and get a conviction. Yes. Uh, any other final thoughts, General? Um, I'm going to clear the next 93 Wednesdays out. <laughs> um, and so it's been a great honor to be on. It, 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 it proves you. to me you are a courageous man. Yeah. <laughs> General, General, I have to ask you on the record, will you come back on the show in light of what you dealt with today? I would love to. Yes. Okay. Yes. And we're going to, we're going to get you on because I know you want to talk about uh, Charlie Adelson and Dan Markell. We're going to get you on for that. So uh, with that, a quick reminder, we're going to take live coverage of opening statements from both the state and defense in the Charlie Adelson trial. So follow me on social to get the details on that until then. Love you, America. Love you, Connecticut. Love you, New York City. Love you everywhere in Tennessee. Love you, Tasmania, Miami, Florida, Everywhere near and far between the Republic of Ireland and, of course, Israel. Until next time, uh, stand by, everyone. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, 
Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. <laughs> 